Um, but yeah, it was a great time. And and for a long time, I thought it was the heyday of climbing in Lander mm-hmm. um, because we were getting out all the time. We were exploring new areas, uh, seeing new things. Um, there's a there at the time I thought there was a ton of climbing here in Lander. And I say at the time because not to get away from your question, but um, mm-hmm. I really thought that was the heyday of climbing in Lander. But what I've what I'm here to say now is today is the heyday of climbing. Like there's more going on now by orders of magnitude than what was going on when Todd and Paul and you know we were all here in the 90s. Um, we were very limited in what we saw as potential and what's happening now, both in the caliber of climbers, the number of climbers, the excitement and motivation about climbing, the new route development, um, it's amazing. It's so cool. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dear Lander, a purely Lan Diego podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Jordan. I'm Amara. And today we have the Mike Lilligan. Woo! I am the one of the yeah. only. Yeah. Yep. Toast. Toast <laughs> well, I thought I had to kiss or something. I didn't know what that was. Wait, what? How you doing? Thanks for I'm being well. on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. We're excited to chat with you today. Awesome. You've already given us so much good stuff, even yeah. before we started There's recording. no way we're going to be able to repeat that. That was just lost. We're just going to organically re- yeah. revisit it. That sounds great. And this is the, that was the thing with May, too. We like completely lost uh, our, first episode. our first episode with May. I wondered how you started in the middle. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just like, we were kind of like, well, we're not worried because every conversation with May is like the most oh, amazing yeah. conversation ever. Oh, yeah. and so, it's always yeah. easy with May. Yeah. 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 Hey, May. <laughs> hey. Hey, May. So you were saying you're not originally from Lander. I'm not. I'm not. So I'm, I'm an army brat. So I was born in Germany and moved. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> lived in Oklahoma and West Virginia and New Jersey and back to Germany, and then uh, ended up in South Dakota when I was a teenager. And that was pretty formative. Like, teenage years are always formative. Yeah. You guys have talked about formative years. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a formative experience to live in the Black Hills in South Dakota. I, in college, I went to school in Laramie. And by then, I was already addicted to rock climbing. And so I don't know if you, how much you know about Laramie. Um, but it's a crappy place to go rock climbing in the winter. <laughs> I was going to say. So it's pretty much a crappy like place that? to be in the winter. Yeah. And so we used to go road trip up to this strange little town called Lander to go rock climbing in the winter. And so I started experience. I first came up here in 89, 90. Came back here to rock climb in the early 90s. And then I was invited to go on an expedition based out of here. Mm-hmm. So I officially moved here in January of 1995. And I was only going to be here for that expedition, just do a few things, and then I was going to go back to South Dakota where I was going to spend my remaining years, and I never left. And here you are. And here I am. Um, 20, what, 95, how many, I don't even know how many years that is, 26 like, years ago? I'm like... Yeah. Sheesh. Longer yeah. than most of your listeners have been alive. <laughs> yeah. Probably so. I mean, I was born in 89, so... There you go. There you go. There you go. I have a question about being an army brat. How long were you in each of those places? So most of them, uh, three years. That's sort of the standard stint for an army deployment or whatever. Just long enough to get comfortable and know people. So I'm really, really good at making friends, but I'm terrible at keeping them. I have no maintenance (laughs) skills at all, but I'm really, really good at like, like this, like no problem. Pop into a... Podcast, yeah. no problem. But a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs> I know you're never gonna be able to think about that I know, the same yeah. way. Um, but uh, yeah, no. But but um, it was there a place in particular that like was super great that you loved being? Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I find good things about each piece, but it's amazing. I mean, literally, I moved to South Dakota when I was 12, and that was the last. That's like the year. That was the yeah. last destination. So before that. I mean, I don't have a lot of memories. It's more, you know, sort of snapshots. Um, So I really enjoyed living in New Jersey. I really enjoyed... When we lived in Germany, we traveled... When I was from six to nine, so the second time. Because the first time I left when I was two months old. That (laughs) part I'd miss. Don't don't, know anything. I don't know at all. Um, So, yeah. So we... uh, 
the when I lived in Germany, we drove. We had a car over there. We drove all around the you know continental Europe, and that part was really really cool. But I only have little peace memories yeah. of that. So um, I mean, South Dakota was for sure feels like home. But I have a theory about home. Is home is wherever you learn how to drive. Oh, because yeah, that's true. because that. that's yeah. when you learn how to drive, you drive everywhere. It's true. You drive yeah. every single road, every little road, every alleyway. You you're constantly when you're in high school, you're constantly with your pals driving around trying to experience every nook and cranny you can get to. And though that's the town you know better than any. And you guys you with Lander Totally. Like, you know every single nook and cranny, and you probably go around now and go, I can't believe they tore this house down, or they painted this one, or they... And I Absolutely. feel that way about about Rapid City. When I go there, like, I notice, and I haven't lived there since 91, or 93, changed a lot. Yeah. Having family there, I've been there enough right. to know that it's like, whoa. Yeah. This is a very different place. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's at least twice the size, and it mm-hmm. gets crazy. But you just know all these little, and you go, oh, I remember when the, this was over there. I remember this, oh, if you drive down this alley really fast, there's a big dip at the end. And, you know, you, yeah, you yeah. don't know that about place you move to when you're 30 years old. Yeah. Like, you're not driving you're around like, to try to find. You I'm going to go? The grocery store. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Where's exactly. the nearest bar? Like, exactly. Where, where are the places that I'm going to be most often? Yeah, you don't right. usually explore. You were going. You were going to UW. Was that like late eighties then? So yeah. So I moved. So I started school in Rapid City at South Dakota School of Mines. Okay. As a computer science major, and then uh, got burned out on that. Transferred to to UW in eighty nine. Okay. How many times did you get buck nasty? Dude, have you ever done the buckhorn roll? I've yeah. never, I've never done the buckhorn roll. Um, I've witnessed many a buckhorn roll, um, but I've never actually, I never actually took the tumble myself. Um, but day drinking at the at the buckhorn was one of my favorites. Pictures of gin and tonics was one Whoa. of the things. Oh, that is where I live. That so, is buck nasty. Um, that yeah, is it was so buck nasty. During the day even. Definitely, yeah, yeah it's got to be day drinking. Yeah, because nighttime, it, the buckhorn became a totally different place. And it was still fine, but it wasn't the same place. Like, you weren't, you weren't down there with the locals you know, smoking their cigarettes, you know, like living in their beers. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. That's the, those are, those are the people I'd rather hang out with. I'm, I wouldn't say they're my people, yeah. but they're the people I'd rather hang out with if I'm going to be at a bar. Anyway, so. continue. That's yeah, all right. I didn't know. It's all right. So no. And, and so, yeah, so I, that was 89 and I graduated in 91. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but in the, in the fall of 91, I stayed there for one more semester and didn't move away till 92. Yeah. Worked at Sweet Pickles Children's Store. Sweet Pickles oh, yeah. Children's Store. Oh, yeah. Where was that? Right downtown, right above the chocolate cellar, right across the street from the Buckhorn. Diagonal. Oh. Yeah. Which is now... Like an ice yeah, it's all changed now. It's a nightmare. I hardly ever go down there. So when I go I, I go through Laramie, I yeah. very rarely go to Laramie. Usually I'm on my way somewhere, for sure. Yeah, that makes so, sense. Yeah, I'm going to be in that corner of the state. Man, now I kind of want to go to the Buckhorn during the day and see if I can still get a picture of gin and tonics. Thank God, you've got to be able to get a picture of gin and tonics. <laughs> like, come on. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that is rad. Yeah, that was our thing. So, philosophy. I had a minor in philosophy, so this was, that was my philosophy study group. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> that is sweet. That is Tell me about your philosophy class, because I also took a philosophy class, and that professor was just about maybe the most colorful professor I've ever had. You know, I never had any colorful philosophy professors, Mm. Um, I'm sad to say. Um, I really enjoyed the structure of logic. I Mm -hmm. I actually think that, or the structure of philosophy, I was, I think I was much more interested in math. I, so I loved logic, and I loved um, so I, I got b- much more bogged down in the in the sort of epistemology and you yeah. know, f- that that sort of fluffy philosophy because it's pretty much literature. You're pretty oh, much yeah. just digesting literature and processing it. But I so but my favorite philosophy professor was a man a guy named Ed Sherline. He was actually my advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not I would not say colorful, mm-hmm. but um, he was a triathlete, finished an Ironman, and. Um, the semester I met him, when we walked in there, I happened to bring up rock climbing. He's like, oh, I love to go rock climbing. I said, we're going to Joshua Tree for spring break. You want to come? And he did. No That's way. That's awesome. So, wow. Yeah, we've been friends ever since. So, That's so... Yeah. 
Awesome. So that was my, he was my favorite philosophy. Dude. I have seen a few of my professors when I went to UW for undergrad. Yeah. In the climbing gym. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a thing. To, I mean, yeah, climbing, and it's become more of a thing. I mean, we only, we didn't have a climbing gym, so we'd climb on the outside of buildings, which was illegal. <laughs> um, and then we'd go to Vitavu when we could. Um, and then, of course, we'd escape to go in Rogers Canyon, just which is yeah. out Ninth Street. And uh, I think it's Ninth Street. And so, yeah, climb out there. And then occasional trips to Casper. Then, of course, Lander, because the climbing appears amazing. Okay, so tell me about... Which is why you asked me to be here. I talk about climbing. I Yeah. I'm so interested. I can't wait to talk to you about climbing because I was a conferee at Ryla in 2011. And that was the year, and I, I'm pretty sure you were there, Yeah. speaking about y'all's ascent. I did. I came down. Yeah, Leslie Calkins invited me to come down and be one of the nightly speakers yeah. about our trip to Pakistan, which is the trip that the reason I moved to Lander. Oh, so, interesting. So the backstory... Coming full circle. The, yeah, the backstory to that pivots on one of my roommates in college. Um, so actually, a little backstory to that. So I, when I was in college, I worked at a sorority. I worked at the Tri-Delta House as mm. a hasher, which is a person who serves food and cleans up after meals. And I was actually head hasher for several years, which basically just means I get paid 50 bucks a month and free food. And then I got right the schedule and have to, you know, make sure everything gets done. But um, they, while I was there, I met this woman, girl, I guess at the time we would call her girl. I was boy. We were, and, and we became <laughs> really good friends, um, best friends. And um, this girl's name was Leslie Bechtel. And Leslie, her brother Steve, who at the time was a senior in high school, was a budding climber. And so she's like, oh, you have to be my brother, brother Steve. I said, great, and we went up to, to Casper and we went climbing. He was 18 years old, trying to climb his five, first 513. Um, I took pictures of him because I thought I was going to be a climbing photographer because I already realized I was going to be a mediocre climber. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a climbing photographer. And we really hit it off. And uh, Steve now, Steve Bechtel, who owns Elemental Fitness here in town, mm -hmm. and Leslie, whose last name is now Van Orman, who also lives in town, um, and is married to my friend Scott Van Orman, who I introduced to her when we were climbing guides in back in 91. Um, so awesome. anyway, it's a, just a twisted tale. But um, Steve and I became best buds and then later became, well, we shouldn't really became best buds. That's actually not true. We became climbing partners and really adventure climbing partners um, because Steve and I have spent more time um, until I would say the last 10 years, we've spent more time suffering together. Then we have like <laughs> type two fun. Totally. Type two and type three fun for sure. We were always adventure buddies and actually until literally the last 10 years have not been like regular like sport climbing partners and cragging buddies. Mm. Um, anyway, he and I in college, then we went off and we did um, climbs in the wind or in, the, I guess not the winds yet, but in the bighorns. Um, these weird uh, camel-shaped sandstone structure outside of Laramie that we almost died on. Um, lots <laughs> oh. of crazy weird things. So he became friends with Todd Skinner, mm -hmm. and they climbed together on Half Dome. And Todd was constantly looking for people who had the ability to persevere, mm -hmm. the ability to um, not just perform under pressure and after a lot of period of time, but also to actually like thrive actually be better because of that and steve was one of those people and so steve started hatching this plan to go climb in pakistan in 1994 uh to this thing called the nameless tower or the trango tower with with todd and they just started looking around for climbing partners and they started like going down the list of everybody they knew and they're like crossing names off like this guy's not going to make it this guy's not going to make it this guy's not going to make it and they're just they're tough they're, i mean they're they're good climbers yeah but and then steve's like we need to take Mike Lilligren. And Todd's like, who? And uh, and they said, you know, he's like, he's not a good climber, but he's really good when when things get crappy. And honestly, I put that on my resume today. I'm really good when things get crappy. That's awesome. And so, that is sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's why I moved here. Like Steve was already here. Todd lived here. Um, he had started the Wild Iris with Amy and, you know, he was founding the wild Irish climbing area 
and with Paul Piana, um, and you know, there was just Paul had broken his leg; he wasn't going to make it on this trip, and so we started putting this list together, and that's that story that I ended up telling you. Yeah, Ryland was that twenty eleven. That was in I almost wore my Ryla shirt today. I, that, oh, really? Oh, my gosh. That's I almost awesome. wore that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a conferee, and I wow. was like... So that was high school. Yeah. You were like a junior or senior, depending on which time you went. I was, and y'all were from Lander, and y'all were in Estes Park talking, and I was like, oh, my God. Um, These are cool. my people. Yeah. That's totally cool. Yeah. I did not know that. I did not put that together. And that was... So y'all are in, in Pakistan. Yeah. And this, uh, the Trango Tower... That was the first ascent that y'all did, correct? So Trango Tower had been climbed before, but it had okay. never been free climbed before. Mm. So we were going there. So like, there's several ways to get to the top of a mountain, and this mountain is like, you know, it's a spire. It's like a finger, a three thousand foot finger of granite, um, and the top is like twenty thousand five hundred feet. So it's just taller than Denali. Um, so it's way up there, and um, it's, so it'd be. There's a lot of ways to get up there. I mean, obviously you can go up with a helicopter and drop you at the top. Well, that's not climbing it, right? There's the way most people climb those kind of things, which is just like big wall climbing, aid climbing, where you use whatever means you can to get to the top. And typically that means you find a fracture or fissure or crack. You put something in it, you hook a ladder to it, you climb up that ladder and as high as you can, then you put something in the crack again, you put a new ladder up to it, and that's called aid climbing. So you're using aid to ascend the route. And Todd was very adamant, and I, I'm right on board with him, but he was extra adamant. Like, that's not climbing. That's using a ladder. Like, we can all climb ladders. It's not the same as climbing a wall. Mm. And so his, his, the ethos, the purest ethos is to climb that with, uh, with just your hands and feet. Now, we're still using safety equipment to, to keep us, you know, from falling far, but, um, but ropes and everything. But... Um, that's how we so we were the first ones to ascend that that by free climbing now obviously now like alex honnold's taking it a whole nother level and there's free soloing yeah that's a whole different gig that's not what we were doing we fell a lot and so we definitely needed the ropes we we had up there so and steve went on that trip as well as a guy named bobby modell um and the and then jeff steve's brother came along just to manage base camp but um unfortunately steve got sick like right when we got there, he ended up with a, it turned out to be a sinus infection, but we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And he left. And so I was left in the mountains with Todd and Bobby, whom I barely knew. Mm-hmm. And um, it ended up being a hell of a story. Yeah. Because Jeff ended That's up coming amazing. back. Jeff would never climb. That's he so came cool. back, climbed the mountain, led pitches. Like he, it was a crazy, there's a lot to the story. It's a long story. I it's, feel an episode two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this is just the intro. Just the beginning. Was that tough for y'all or what felt like the toughest thing to overcome? I, I guess especially if you didn't right. know Todd super well. Right. And uh, was that... I mean, there were several crux issues with the whole trip. The first... I mean, there was a lot of issues to get there and I, it's easy to snow over that and move fast. But the first crux for me was Steve leaving. Like yeah. That was a super huge impact. Um, and so, because that was a total gear shift, like, is it over? Do we keep moving? And, and Todd's very much of the ethos of just like, whatever it takes. So we kept rolling and within a couple of weeks, we were in the rhythm of things and we'd moved past that, that part. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, you start out, you feel like it's the end of the world when your best friend and only reason you're there kind of leaves but then for me it was just like okay well i guess we just got to get the job done yeah and so i it's funny because i've told this all to a lot of people what was weird to me so i was 25 at the time todd was 35 so and it, it was his trip he had planned it he had done all the logistics i mean we had done a lot of work together but it was his vision um what was interesting is from the minute steve left it felt like i was in charge um, and they were deferring to me to what the plan needed to be. And I'd never been in the mountains. I'd never been above 12,000 feet in elevation. Oh my God. Base camp was at 15.5. So like you're already way in there. And so then we, there, there was a big scree slope up to the notch camp, which is the highest place you could hike to. That was at 17,500 feet. And then you still had 3000 feet to go up from there. Like really like planning from that, 
point forward was on my shoulders. And, you know, we all talked about it, but it, it really felt to me like I was being delegated as boss and it was fine. You know, like it worked. And so the next crux happened after we'd been up on the wall for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And because we were supposed to be up there for 14 days, we now were up there for twice the time and we were starting to run out of things like M&Ms, you know, important things. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we, uh, and the weather was really tough. Like we had big, you know, 10-day snowstorms that we just sit in. Literally the size of this living room right here, we'd have three tents set up. And that was our whole life for 10 days. We couldn't go anywhere. And it would snow four or five feet. And um, so that was the next difficulty, like just surviving that and still having the motivation to go forward. Yeah. And then uh and then when we got to like forty five days and we we're really close to being done, but we still um had like a lot to do. Like we had at that point we'd actually summited. We just had to still free climb some pieces of it. Okay. But so we ended up spending sixty days on the wall, like didn't come down for sixty days. Holy um, shit. Yeah. That's all I can wild. think of. Every piece of life in a vertical world. Like, mostly going up and down ropes and, you know, like, just working. Like, you just had a checklist like you do in your job. Like, these mm-hmm. are the things I'm going to do today. These are the things I'm going to try to get done this week. Yeah, so Bobby lost 25 pounds on that trip. And he was already not a, like, he's built like you. you know, yeah. He's a lean guy, you know. I lost, I bulked up before I left. So the secret to climbing in Pakistan is the cheese wheel. Cheese wheel, (laughs) the cheese wheel, and pints of Ben and Jerry's. To be honest, well, I do like me a a slush float. I ate a lot of Dairyland on my way on my prep for this. Beautiful, (laughs) yeah, that's a lot of Dairyland. That is way cool. And I like to dip mine in a mixture of mustard and ketchup. I was gonna say, do you like bite into it and then like fill it? Oh no, I've never been a filler. I've been dipper. Yeah, a dipper. Dipper. Yeah. Are you a filler? No, I mean I tried it and I didn't love it. Yeah. Yeah, dipping, I feel, yeah, is the dipper. way to go. Uh-huh. What about you? What do you do? Uh, Are you a filler or a dipper? I feel like I'm fry sauce on top with a cheese bowl. Oh, fry know? sauce. Oh, yeah. Fry sauce. Also on a top. choice. Yeah. Then do you cut it up or do you pick it up? Nah, pick it pick up. Pick it up. Pick it like, up. Yeah. Like, like a, a disc. Like a disc, like yeah. a saucer, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I usually have like one to two cheese wheels a year. But those two cheese wheels are I have been off amazing. the cheese wheel for a while. Yeah, I haven't had one in a long time. When I saw 50 on the radar, I, I kind of took a little step look at my life and made some priorities. Like maybe not the cheese wheel. <laughs> and so now I'm on the other side of 50, and so I still feel like it's a pretty good plan that I made. So I'm, I have been away from the cheese wheel. But it was a beautiful thing. It was perfect thing. for It Pakistan. was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. when, I was, when I was 25. So you've climbed Trango Tower. Yep. And then you come back to Lander. Yep. And then National Geographic did a feature on y'all, correct? Yep. That's correct. I just watched Wind and Rattlesnakes. And oh, right on. Like so much mention of Todd Skinner, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And uh, what Lander was like at the time for yeah. climbing. And so could you speak a little bit on that? Yeah. You know, it's funny because we came back, you know, and of course I worked at Wild Iris. And um, I also worked at the Lander Bar. I also hung drywall. And I substitute Todd. All of that. that was a beautiful. That was a great time. Like I never bored for one minute with yeah. the jobs I had. Um, but yeah, it was a great time. And and for a long time, I thought it was the heyday of climbing in Lander mm-hmm. um, because we were getting out all the time. We were exploring new areas, uh, seeing new things. Um, there's a there at the time I thought there was a ton of climbing here in Lander. And I say at the time because not to get away from your question, but. Um, mm-hmm. I really thought that was the heyday of climbing in Lander, but what I've what I'm here to say now is today is the heyday of climbing. Like there's more going on now by orders of magnitude than what was going on when Todd and Paul and you know we were all here in the '90s. Um, we were very limited in what we saw as potential, and what's happening now, both in the caliber of climbers, the number of climbers the excitement and motivation about climbing the new route development 
Um, mm. It's amazing. It's so cool. So, but it was exciting time like back then, you know, being yeah. 25 years old and having these, you know, guys in their 30s and 40s kind of leading the way and that everybody was out for discovering new stuff. We all climbed together all the time. Um, we had a, we all lived on, not all of us, but most of us lived out on Lucky Lane. Um, yeah, good so, old Lucky Lane. Oh man, it was a great, it was a just a sort of a cultural experience. It was a little bit of a, just this commune of people all hanging out together, um, eating together almost every night. It was, it was a, it was a fun time. And I, I've told a lot of people that looking, I, you know, I kind of got serious about my life later when I brought, when I turned 30 and then that's when I got a real job and a, like sort of a career and I got married and had a kid and all this stuff. But I, I was really psyched to retire first Mm-hmm. And have this like retirement after high after college before I started work, and yeah. that's what it kind of felt like. I felt, in retrospect, look, it felt like I was retired, like just this. It's like the guys going to coffee every morning. It was that kind of experience. Liars Club. Um, cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Like was, the Liars Club. Yeah. The Liars yeah. Club. Exactly. And so yeah, we the Climbers Club. You know, unfortunately, you know, obviously people moved away, you know, that it, it, life changed quite a bit, but it, it's a good thing. It, it was all, it was a beautiful place to be in a great foundation for what it is now. So we often, well, me, I talk about the vibe of Lander. Yep. Do you think that that vibe is still the same? Has it changed for you from that time until now? Is it more vibrant? Is it less vibrant? Is it like kind of a whole, is there like a... That's an awesome line question. through, you know, like. Yeah. So I I feel like Lander's community sense of community is very. It has the same feel to me. So I so what stuck me to Lander, what what made me stay was not rock climbing, um, it was not a job. It was spent a bunch of my time down at um, the. So that the, the DeLongs owned a bake shop that, you know what I'm talking about? Wildflower. A wildflower bakery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I spent a ton of time at the Wildflower Bakery. And Ed DeLong, who was one of the owners, he and his wife Cheryl owned it. They've moved to Oregon since then. But um, invited me to coach soccer with him. And that's the switch that changed Lander for me forever. And as I started coaching girls U10 soccer, like assistant coaching, whatever... And I don't know much about soccer. Like I played a little bit as a kid, but um, but I really bonded with the parents and the community, and that's how I got outside of my circle of climbing, outside of Lucky Lane. Like I actually stepped out of Lucky Lane into Mainlander, and that changed my whole attitude. And it honestly is the reason I stayed because the community of Lander, the diversity, the just how everybody cares about each other and Lander made me sort of fall in love with the place. Yeah. So that's what happened. I mean, it wasn't climbing because I actually, I didn't stop climbing, but climbing became a less of a priority for me during my thirties. And, um, I, but, but the community of Lander pulled me in even deeper. So it's not the same as it was in the early nineties, but it has the same feel. Um, if anything, it's for me, it's less intense now than it was then. Um, but it's more part of who I am because I've been here for over half my life now. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, you know, it's more sort of ingrained into who I am. The vibe. The vibe. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah. You said you, before we started recording, you were talking about, well, you just mentioned you work at the LB. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was also a great experience because it's actually, I think it's the reason why I know so many people in town Mm. because Mm -hmm. when I was a bartender at the, at the LB, this was a different lander bar than we have now. Very different. So, so yeah, for one thing, the, when I started there, the, there was no Gannett Grill. Like the Gannett really? Grill wasn't there. There was a pool table over on that side. I remember the and, pool table. And it was closed behind there. And um, everybody was, not everybody, but lots of people were smoking. So it was full-on smoking establishment. Next door was the Sweetwater Grill. And I worked there as well. I started out working there as a bartender, and that was the first restaurant in that where the cowfish is now. The while I was there, the Gantt Grill started, and that was kind of the beginning of all that piece. But it was a very but yeah, what I was saying about it is what I loved about being at the Liner Bar. First is I got to meet the mayor, the chief of police, a um, bunch of highway patrolmen, 
all these people and they'd come in, they'd get drunk, they'd end up with their shirts off. <laughs> and so not only did I know who they were and they knew who I was, I had like a little bit of dirt on them. And so I still know a bunch of those people. And um, so I, I would say it's the beginning of sort of my connectivity to the core of Lander and the variety of Lander. Because it was awesome because you'd have ranchers, cowboys, Native Americans, Nolsies, climbers, tourists, all these people milling through Lander or the Lander bar. And all just they're there for one reason and to, to have a good time. Yeah. And that I really thought was the melting pot of sort of Lander culture. Um, and lots of bars had their own feel. But that bar in particular had a real, um, in my opinion, a very uh, unifying feel, a very welcome feel, even though we pretty much had a fight every night. But, I used to um, hear about, about the LB. Oh, man. My dad said they used to roughhouse in the LB a bunch. It was a rough location. I don't know if do you guys know Chris Horn. Oh, He's yeah. He's a good guy. So Chris and I used to hey, bartend Chris. together. Yeah, Chris <laughs> and I used to bartend together, and he was a great ally in that. First of all, he was twice my size. Um, he also was very calm all the time, very happy all the time. And so, yeah, he was a good guy to have because it got a little rough sometimes. Yeah. I always figured, though, like, so I was perfectly safe. Yeah, uh-huh. like, I'm good back here. But my goal almost always was to befriend the biggest guy there, like, buy him a couple drinks, make him on my side, and then if shit went down... I had it. I had it. That dude was I had cool. A, you had an someone ally. had my back. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Chris could like de-escalate the situation, but was also a large gentleman. Yeah, exactly. He could <laughs> yeah, de-escalate, he but if, it, but if, it, yeah, he could handle it if it went another way. Yeah, I will say that I think that is something that is carried through, even though it's a very different place now. Is that I do kind of find it to be like the schmelting pot. Oh, of Lander. absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. That is something that is carried through. And one of the things that I love about the Lander bar is when you go there, it's like, I see people that I went to high school with right. there, you know, right. and like, we're on very different life paths, but right. like, we're like, Hey, let's yeah, like grab a drink. You know yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like it's that, that's one of the things that I love about I the agree. Lander bar. Yeah. I agree. It, it does have that. Everybody's welcome. Even when you walk in, it's a lot like the buckhorn. When you walk in in the daytime and, it's, and the serious yeah. people, everybody looks at you. One beer in, you're part of the crowd. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's an easy place to slick on in. Yeah, and I don't go out yeah. very much at all anymore. I'm a total homebody. But when I run in there, when I go into the Lander bar, I get six or seven. Mike, Mike. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. It, it's a hard place to exit all. sometimes. Yep. Um, yeah, <laughs> like you have to add in an extra at least 20 to 30 minutes yeah. of goodbye time. Just to move through. Yeah, yeah. just to go on through. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So sometimes I just go into the Gannett Grill, get a burger, and then just stay out on the deck. So climbing-wise, yeah, what was your favorite route when you first got here? And mm-hmm. what is your favorite route now? Wow. That's an interesting question. Um, like, you mean, like, in Lander? Yeah. My favorite, favorite routes. Yeah. I mean, can I extend into the winds? Or do oh, I absolutely. Have to? Okay, I can go as far yeah. as I want. So I yeah. can pretty much do whatever I want. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. I don't, I'm, I'm not really good with favorite routes. So it, cause I, or but one that you revisit. Let me, often. let me, let me do it this way. Let me answer it this way. So the climbing now in Lander is there's a ton of climbing. Like, so there's climbing at Sinks Canyon. There's on the regular main wall of Sinks Canyon. Mm-hmm. There's climbing on the shady side of Sinks Canyon. There's climbing up on uh, Fairfield Hill at the end of the main wall. There's climbing up on Fossil Hill. Um, there's climbing, of course, you know, you can go into the winds, you can go to Leg Lake Cirque, you can go to, you know, the Cirque of the Towers, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Then you also have Wild Iris, right? Then you have the OK Corral, there Wild Iris. then you have the Bermuda, you have all these like broken up areas. Then you have Wolf Point. North uh, Country. North Country. Yeah, you have Young Mountain. Um, you have Ghost Town. You have the, yeah, in Sinks Canyon, I'm sorry, I missed all the granite. You have the sandstone, you have the joint, you have the sanctuary. You have so much different climbing that's going on everywhere. My favorite climbing in this whole area is Sinks Canyon Main Wall, like, which is the part everybody gets bored with. They're like, oh, we get to, cl- we have to climb there, like, all through the winter. And it's the only place you, because everywhere else you can access throughout the summer and the in the fall and the spring. But Sinks Canyon Mine Wall, it gets hot in the summer, except it really only gets hot in the summer from like 10 o'clock in the morning until 2 in the afternoon or 3 in the afternoon. You can climb on that wall year round. 
and the climbing is fantastic and it literally I can be at the wall 15 minutes from leaving my house and it's so aesthetic um, the climbing is varied it's it's um, you know it can be steep and dynamic it can be slabby and technical um, so I really love climbing in Sinks Canyon there are a number of routes that I like there and for it depends on my fitness level <laughs> and how I'm feeling how much they like me yeah. but um, but so I, I, don't, I don't even know if I have like a favorite um, I mean I certainly have favorite adventure climbs that I've done but um, but as far as like going climbing I love climbing in Sinks Canyon and I would do it all the time and uh, luckily I get to literally I can climb there 12 months a year um, I don't because you can climb there 12 months so I, <laughs> yeah. so I do when I get the opportunity to climb in other areas you know around I do yeah. um, but I really do enjoy getting into the winds um, I, you know, I've climbed Pingora a few times maybe four times uh, five times um, and uh, that that's a really the Circle of the Towers is a fantastic place mm-hmm. unfortunately it it's getting kind of crowded um, and crowds don't really bother me with climbing like a lot of climbing but when you're in the mountains it's nice to get some isolation so yeah. um, that that part's a little tough but my friends Sam Leitner and Shep Vale um, Sam lives here now Shep lived here in the 90s and now lives up in Montana in Billings but we put up a route um just this side down canyon from the Cirque of the Towers on the monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, that's probably one of my favorite. We spent four years in there, um, you know, going in for a week at a time. And that was a really cool adventure. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful area. And it's like the Cirque of the Towers, except there's nobody in there. That's Sweet. awesome. So. so I am not a climber. Uh-huh. Um, so what does it take to put up a route? Like how oh, do you yeah. even begin to do that? Yeah. So putting up a route like like we did in Pakistan or like we did on the monolith in the winds um, is a is this like big undertaking. It takes a lot of equipment. It takes a lot of planning. I mean, we're taking in like, so when we went into the monolith in the winds and we went to, well, we went to Pakistan, we took... 3,000 feet of rope. Like we were ready to have ropes be from the bottom of that cliff to the top of that cliff. And we ended up really needing that because while we spent 60 days on that wall, we had to have resupplies all the time. And so we would actually go down the ropes for a thousand feet after someone hiked up to that notch camp at 17,000 feet with a backpack full of food. We would then go climb back up the ropes and bring that food up to our camp up on the wall. What it takes is um, a lot of strategy, but equipment-wise, you need to find, sort of plan out your route um, and find weaknesses between kind of connecting that whole thing. And those weaknesses can be handholds and footholds that you're going to climb, but they also be cracks. Um, and then you need to figure out how you're going to protect that. Um, on, blank, on places where there's cracks, you can put uh, protection into the cracks that you can then remove. So you can use that as safety equipment. Um, But in the gaps between cracks, um, you end up putting in bolts. And so um, you'll drill a hole. um, And in the mountains, that typically means with a hammer. And, you know, you're just, it's a hand hand drill. So it's this, a drill bit on the end on a handle and you just hammer it and it takes forever. And that's why we brought Shep because Shep's a contractor and he can hammer Mm -hmm. with both hands. He's like, I got this. Oh yeah, he's he's awesome. (laughs) In Pakistan and in some places, you can you can use a power drill. So we actually took a battery powered drill with us that would help us to drill those anchors. Um, and in Pakistan, we charge those with solar panels. Um, but you know, obviously, at Sinks Canyon, you also almost use exclusively drills or anchors, permanent anchors, bolts. And so you would use a power drill, drill those in, and then the modern ones are glued in. Oh, and interesting. they're super, super, super strong hmm. and will last for 50 to 100 years. Ones Whoa. we put in in the 90s were expansion bolts. And so like hardware bolts, like you see a lot of times, they, so they just have a stud with a sleeve on it. Kind of tighten that, it pulls out and expands the sleeve. Um, but unfortunately, those only lasted about 20 to 30 years, 20 to 40 years. So we actually have a whole program called the Bolt Anchor Replacement Fund, the BARF. Um, where we, uh, <laughs> we fund and then go back and replace bolts and anchors and 
Cool. And we've been doing that. It was actually started by Steve in probably the early 90s. Um, and now is a whole big thing. Like we have the access and ag- advocacy committee that deals with all this stuff. But it's a very serious thing. Lander is one of the best communities for taking care of our cliffs. Like we keep them safe. And what it means is you go out for a day, um, find a way to get to the top, put an anchor in, drop a rope down, climb up that rope, make sure you have a good route, drill anchors, put bolts in. Um, You might uh, knock off any loose flakes or anything so nobody gets hit by anything, you know. Make sure it's a, a, you know, safe, comfortable route. And then you'll uh, do what's called red point it. So you'll climb it, you pull all that stuff off, you'll climb from the bottom to the top without falling. That's awesome. And that's, then you've put up a route. And then you get to name it. That is awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So, yeah, and you leave your mark on the future. So when you first started rock climbing so yeah a, i'm i'm very intrigued by this because okay. it's like something that i know about and i know a lot of people you can go climb. hang out with climbers like climbers will I know, you hang and they're out so fun um so i'm just so intrigued by it because it's a part of my community and people right. talk about it a lot but i right. personally am just i'm not a climber i right. do theater um right. but so my first question the first part of the question is what was the moment that you realized you love climbing okay and the second part is in that moment, did you think that you would continue and have the life of climbing that you have now? You know, so it's funny. So Steve Beckel and I went climbing last Tuesday and we were driving back from the cliff and saying to each other, can you imagine if 20-year-old Mike and Steve ran into 50-year-old Mike and Steve out there doing what we were just doing today? Like, what would we have thought about that? Um, that we were still climbing 30 years later and that we were actually climbing as hard or harder than we were back when we were 20. And it was a funny to go back and look at that, like to look back at, did I think I would be, I, I had, the easy answer is I absolutely, I'm gonna answer questions in reverse order. Um, that I absolutely thought I'd be climbing at this age, but I had no idea that I would be as passionate, as driven and as, Skilled? Skilled as I am now. Like I actually, like when I turned 50, I set out to climb the hardest climb I'd ever climbed in my life. And I did when I was 50. And um, that of course took two years of training and planning and working with Steve, who's really smart at that stuff. Um, But I had no idea that I would, like I assumed I'd just be out like doing super easy stuff. And uh, I learned to climb when I was 14 years old um, in Boy Scouts. And this really cool dude who had been climbing for 30 years taught me how to climb. And he was 65 years old. He was a dentist. His name was Doc. And he taught me a bunch of Boy Scouts. My mom went out with us. I was a clumsy, awkward kid, not very athletic. And I played in the woods. I was always a run around the woods kind of kid. We lived around the edge. But I, uh, it like instantly felt good. Like I could do it. And I was better than most of the other people. Just in like how I could manage my body. I wouldn't say I like got addicted to climbing right away. Like I didn't know right away that it was my thing. But I took all the equipment home from the troop. And because nobody else wanted to go climbing. And then I started inviting my non-Boy Scout friends. to Like, hey, you want to try rock climbing? And then I'd teach them everything I knew. Which wasn't very much. I was reading books. And like within a couple of years... I had taught four or five people to climb and I had regular climbing buddies. And like by then it was sort of, you know, like it was a thing. And we used to joke all the time in high school because nobody climbed. It wasn't like here now, like where climbing is a thing, like nobody climbed. So we used to joke that we were into it to get the chicks because (laughs) girls didn't want to hang out with climbers. They didn't even know what a climber was. But what's funny (laughs) is when I was 30, I met my wife because of climbing. So at the end, I did get the girl. Plot twist. (laughs) Where did you guys meet? We met at the Lander Bar. (laughs) That's right. She was she was she was dating a musician, and you can't trust musicians. And um, (laughs) me being married to one, the most trustworthy one. And I was bartending, and and she would come in. She and then she was one of the very first employees at the Gannett Grill. So I just saw her around all the time um, because but the Sweetwater Grill and the Lander Bar were right next to each other, you know, like the cowfish. And they were, it wasn't quite as close as it is now. Like there wasn't a shared patio, but 
because there was no patio. There was no deck on the Lander Bar back then. That's crazy. And yeah, no deck at all. And so um, anyway, I'd see her all the time. And then I heard they broke up. And so I asked her out and uh, we had a terrible date. I completely botched it. Shoot. Botched it. Tried to talk about philosophy and religion. And yeah, it was terrible. Oh, that's a... And I had just walked out away from that going... I botched that. and uh, But a friend of hers was just talking about me a few days later. And it's like, oh, that Mike guy, the, the Pakistan climb had just come out on video. Uh-huh. And she'd seen it. And she's like, oh, that guy, is, he's really cool. She, so my wife, Suzanne, was like, huh, maybe I'll give him another call. She did. I Dang. came over for breakfast and lunch. What, what kind of philosophy did you talk about? I don't remember. Did you go straight into like some really deep shit or yeah, like? Yeah, I tried to. I tried to be cool. And what's your favorite pre-Socratic <laughs> philosopher? I, I prefer Anaxagoras over. <laughs> oh my god! I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember any of that stuff. Blanked out all of that now. Yeah. All I remember is spreadsheets now, and yeah. Does that help you in climbing? Do you think? No, not even. Really. <laughs> not even. No. Steve no. might. Steve felt he documents all that stuff. I don't even remember the names of routes I've climbed because I just asked Steve, "What did I climb?" Or <laughs> or, or Sam or uh, like, like all my climbing partners. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, I watched Wind and Rattlesnakes. Right. And I googled Mike Lilligren, and there's like your name pops up for a ton of different stuff. It does. Like it's the random L- stuff. LEDA. So Lida. Yeah. Yeah. So Lida is the Lander Economic Development Association. So my business partner, Cade Mastis, and I founded that seven years ago now? Eight years? Yeah, it's got to be eight years ago. So yeah, Lander. So it's just a group of people that felt like that we should focus on economic development in Lander and Hmm. first focus on making sure we have a business-friendly community, like how our business council acts, how our county commissioners act, how our, you know, everything is... That we have to think about business and the economy of Lander. Like, and then, so then from there, you build up kind of foundational things. You know, how do we have good jobs? How do we encourage entrepreneurship? How do we um, help businesses be successful? And then at the very top of the pyramid, there's actually a pyramid that this is a whole all laid out in economic development theory. And you could find on the Wyoming Economic Development Association website. But the very top is business recruitment. Everybody thinks of economic development as like recruiting new businesses. But the biggest economic development growth that happens in a community is growth within the community. Mm-hmm. So it's people who already live here starting businesses. It's businesses that are already here growing. It's people getting more jobs. It's and you need infrastructure. You need a like good broadband. You need to have you know obviously power and electricity, but you also need to have transportation. Um, so one of our initiatives was to make sure that the that Riverton Airport, the county airport, had connecting flight to river to denver and that was dying um mm-hmm. i don't know if you remember that like eight oh, years do. ago it was dying it was almost dead um yeah, like great lakes flew out it was terrible it was, so bad. it was expensive all the flights got canceled all the time um the flights were scary because they were old dilapidated airplanes that <laughs> didn't have enough parts so we recruited a contract air service shared it with sheridan and um, called Key Lime. Um, they called it Denver Air Connections, but Key Lime was actually the name of the charter I service. It was awesome. Full size, full size I, candy bars. And, oh, man. Oh, man. I was on that flight yeah. more often than yeah. not. I was so excited about it. It was really good. And um, then, of course, the goal was to recruit uh, an airline. Because it's all about interconnectivity. Sure. Not just in being able to transfer your luggage and... All stuff, but also just being able to book a flight. Like I want to fly from here to Chicago. Like I don't want to go to United, book a flight from Denver to Chicago, and then to Denver Connection, book a flight from Den- Riverton to Denver. Um, so now we have that, and that's doing great, and it's cranking. They're they're beating records of service, and thanks to Missy White, one of our board members, who's also a, a city council person here, and she led that charge. Was a member of the. Thanks, Missy. Shout out, Missy. Did a great job. And uh, so that was that um, broadband connectivity. Like we worked with Union Wireless to get uh, additional fiber run to the community. We've worked with Wind River Internet. Yeah, it's a a pretty cool initiative. And so um, through Lita, um, we actually, uh, my company, Maven, which is a whole other part of my life story, Mm -hmm. um, was able to get a business grant a grant with the Wyoming Business Council and so luckily 
or on purpose, we end up resigning from Lita because this is sort of conflict of interest. Sure. Because Lita was pursuing a new building for Maven, which is a growing one of the already one of the bigger businesses in town and growing fast. So um, there, there, there's now a, a Wyoming Business Council grant and loan program put together to help us build a new building. So, which will actually be owned by the city of Lander and owned by and managed by Lita. Maven just rents it. So it's oh, critical. Really? It's actually economic development dollars that go into the community. Maven's just paying for it. We just get a kind of an advantageous structure due to the state funds that are already there. So it's pretty cool. It's actually awesome because it's about $3 million of state money, Wyoming state money, is going to go into the Lander community as opposed to going into Cheyenne, where a lot of businesses get recruited, or Sheridan, where a bunch of businesses mm-hmm. get recruited, or Evanston. Where, like, anytime they recruit businesses and the business council is doing that, those dollars, those jobs, all of that stuff goes into that community. So it's cool that's happening in Lander. I'm that pretty proud cool. about Man, that. Man, that, that is way cool. So, Kudos so, to you. That's and awesome. And right now we have, like, we started this company with three of us in 2013. Um, now we're up to 13. And um, I'd say in the next five years we'll add another 10 jobs. So, cool. um, and it's a pretty fun place to work we have a putt, putt, putt awesome. tournament every thir- every friday afternoon um and i am the reigning <laughs> champion although do you know kian stewart i oh, know the name Kean needs to be on your list anyway kian is uh he 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 beat me out a couple weeks ago but i think Shoot. I, yeah so it's a it's a fun place are you pretty competitive with the putt putt um no i get in kind of a zen state with yeah, the putt-putt. yeah 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 i'm, I'm trying not to be competitive to just sort of be one with the ball yeah especially when you're playing you're like out in the warehouse on rough concrete with pallet racks as obstacles. I mean, it's more like putt-putt than it is like golfing at the golf course. It's hazardous. <laughs> That's awesome. And occasionally a dog will just come and grab your ball and take it away. Like rude. Yeah. <clears throat> Bring that back. Sweet. Yep. Um, so I asked this question to every guest. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Here it goes. Every single one. What is your favorite odd lander smell? Lander smell? Did remember, I think you're gonna ask me if I believe in ghosts. Um, it's coming, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, the, Lander smell. Um, Lander has a lot of smells, um, and I like almost all of them. Like, I really love the smell inside uh, the sinks, like going me into too. the sinks, like not the canyon, but, but the, 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 the sinks, the, that act, cave. Yeah, the actual like cave. going into that cave. Um, <gasps> the other stereotypical lander smell is the fourth of july like the smell mm-hmm. of fireworks like i knew fireworks existed before i moved here but i did not really understand the depth of what fireworks <laughs> can be until i've it's there's a lot of smells that come around with that including when you get hit by a firework and then you get some burning <laughs> flesh yeah but no overall i have a very <laughs> fond smell of the the smell of burning of fireworks, fireworks yeah, yeah. Re- yeah. Kind of residual smell I've never people complain about the ponds. Oh, you guys! And I never could smell it. This is the only I way never... I can describe it. It smells like shit perm. Shit perm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's like the perm yeah, scent, like the like perm the... that you used to get in the eighties and nineties. I never got one. Well, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I was I around see, them a but lot. But I know what they smell like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it just smells like shit. And if those two had a baby, that's what that smells oh, like. Wow. It's it, awful. I don't know what it is, but that smell doesn't register for me right now. Maybe it doesn't waft where you are, because it sure as hell wafts up here. Yeah. Interesting. No, it definitely doesn't waft where I but but when I was um when our office was over on North Fourth Street, a lot of people bitched about it. And I never mm. I never smelled it. You're so, so lucky. I am. I'm a lucky person. Um, City Park. <laughs> City Park has a really good smell. It does have a good smell. Especially yeah. when the ditch is running. <clears throat> it has a really good smell. And I think in particular, um, when the grass is really green in City Park, it is a that is a that is a really I like that smell. The I think so you haven't been into the winds. Like backpacking no, the, the the farthest i've gone so far is upper silas yeah because i really and, just recently and you're, got into hiking, you're into so. that smell already but yeah. the winds that the the pine smell that's in the winds the lodgepole pine wonderful smell as well like getting into the woods um oh, I and wait. i smell it mostly during when i i so i took up elk hunting when i moved here because you know you're in wyoming got elk hunt so that's a perfect time like the fall is Weird. the perfect time to smell it 
Well, Joan, I mean, like, I recently got into hiking right. in the last year because right. COVID. What else was I going to do? And right. I was like, I got this new puppy that has a lot of energy. I need right. to, like, get her out. And I just have fallen in love with it. And so, right. like, we're starting to, like, go yeah, longer yeah. distances. And you get little packs. She can carry yeah. food. Yeah. I mean, we're and, getting yeah. there, you know? I mean, I mean, it's very exciting times for me. <laughs> Excellent. Here. Excellent. Um, so I'm looking forward Discovery. to that smell. I'm yeah. here to tell you that your life is just going to be... You think that you've sort of hit a point where you're not going to have more discovery, but there's just oh, going to be more and more and more. There's plenty of options out there. I know. Everybody's like, are you scared great, about turning better. 30? And I was like, no, because I feel like right now is like my prime. Yeah. And I feel like I will feel it's like not, that every time I better. switch a decade. Okay, fair like, enough. That's Yeah, you're on the right You know, because it was like the 20s were fun. Yeah. But it was like the older I got, the better it got. And yep. so I'm just like, okay, like yeah. this is great. You know, yeah. like. I think. If you keep that attitude, it'll keep rolling that way. I can't wait. It's yep. so Because I've experienced I love that. aging. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, because now I'm in a phase where I'm like, I don't feel like I need to party as hard as I yeah. do. Like, I'm perfectly content sitting on my back porch and reading. Right. At like 9 p.m. with a little citronella candle. Right. And then I'm like, but I'm going to go down to Lander Presents and right. party. I mean, like, right. it's so fun to be in such a yeah. great space where you're like, I can do whatever yeah. I want and really. not be worried about the consequences and not be yeah. worried about it yeah. Yeah, except yeah. I have discovered an emergency on the morning after yeah. of partying that's yeah. really helpful get those vitamins back <laughs> Emer- emergency yo that's yeah that's the move yeah it's, I recently discovered everyone, that this year yeah it's like everyone don't don't mess with the patches the hangover patches or the mm. hangover pills it's the right. same thing as emergency and it works better when you drink emergency so there you go see life you hacks by Amara first. you heard it first um <laughs> I was going to, so there is this other smell that I would like to bring up that has only happened, I've only smelled it when I was high up in the winds, like maybe around even near Timberline. Mm -hmm. There's, when you're near water, there's some sort of bush or shrub, weed, Mm -hmm. I don't exactly know what it is, but it smells kind of skunky. Hmm. And yep. I've only ever smelled it. I've smelled it as well. Really yeah. high up yeah, in the winds. Yeah, really, really skunky. Oh, really? Because yeah. yeah. I smell it all the time <laughs> down here. Really? Yeah. I call it skunkweed. <laughs> I don't know if that's the actual term. Yeah. yeah. But it's oh. like... Is it the same thing? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I mean... Next I time you smell it, point it out. I should. Yeah. Take me to it. I yeah. will. Lead well, me to the skunkweed. The other thing is... is don't I have leave a me. Really I don't want to know. I want to know, but I don't want to know. Um... I have a really intense smeller. Like, I can oh. really smell things. Yeah. But, I mean, like, I used to smell that same smell walking across the old football field in Pavilion to hmm. go to school. Huh. The elementary school. It's skunkweed feels. Huh. Yeah. And it, w- it was May was always the, like, huh. the summertime. I have never smelled it except for, like, you in the mountains. Like, it's, like, a strong... Yeah, like, I yeah. just smelled like it the water. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yesterday. Huh. Word. Mm-hmm. There you go. So it might just be me because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like really intense, wow. but it is like a satisfying smell and weird at the same time. Yeah. Mm. You know, where you're and like, it's... should I be worried about this? <laughs> and it's Am like, it's sprayed. For... But also, thanks. For that one, it was like, <laughs> I, I welcome that smell, even though it's like skunky, because every time I've smelled it, I was high up in the winds next right. to like some right. huge granite like right. yeah. you know and it so was yeah. combined with this experience totally yeah. like, way up in there yeah absolutely like, well obviously yeah. no one brought a Heineken so yeah it wasn't that <laughs> it was not that so uh, do, you, do do you want to talk about ghosts <laughs> yeah <laughs> do any good ghost stories <laughs> I don't have any good ghost stories do you believe in ghosts I, I I'm not firmly in one camp or another to mm-hmm. be honest with you I don't not believe in ghosts but I I don't worry about ghosts on a whole are you like a lot. like the, like an energy guy like if there's like a weird energy are you aware of it because that's me probably not i'm like oh probably it feels not. weird in here yeah <laughs> probably not i'm pr- pretty oblivious about to that kind of stuff <laughs> Dude, are you yeah. in most i mean i feel situation. creepy sometimes yeah certainly yeah. i've felt creepy at times like <laughs> you're going to places like this feels really creepy but usually it's just like yeah it feels creepy let's start a fire but I've felt some presence before. You know, I think I've told myself that I've felt that way. Like I could feel somebody here. Or I saw something or heard something. But I'm not positive mm-hmm. if it wasn't, if it was a true experience or not. So I, I'm not a believer, but I'm not a disbeliever either. You're like agnostic about ghosts. I'm agnostic about, about ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm all in. Like if there are yeah. ghosts. Cool band name. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good band name. Agnostic, agnostic about, about ghosts. ghosts. That's a good go. one. Yeah. 
That actually might be a really good album name. It's as very well. relatable. I That's think it's a better album name than a good better album name than a yeah. band name. Yeah. We'll have to go back and listen to all the band names and be like, this is the band name and here's their album, Agnostic right. for Ghosts. Yes. It feels more like a ska <laughs> ska <laughs> situation for a me. Ska, huh? Mm-hmm. Lots of trumpets. We're yeah. Getting, yeah. Like really going for really it. Really going for it. Hmm. Well, do you have anything you'd like to add? I don't know if I do. I think I've I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's yeah. been so fun. Thanks so much. Yeah, this is yeah. awesome. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for being on. So much. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. We might have to have an episode two. Definitely. I'm 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 open for that. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well thank right. you guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Alright. This is Jordan. I'm Amara. This is Deer Lander. We love you. Have a good day.